All right, welcome back to episode five of Heart of the Order. My name is Greg McAfee. I'm hitting in the three hole, and I'm here with co-host Greg Malik hitting in the four hole, and Dre Fry hitting in the five hole. We have a lot to talk about tonight, guys. The AL East preview, the home of the World Series champions, the Boston Red Sox. Will they repeat as division champs this year and even World Series champs? They're going to be challenged by the New York Yankees. And then you have the rest of the AL East waiting in the bottom of the division. Uh, we got a lot to talk about tonight, so we're going to get right to it. But first, here we go. Too fast to prepare for this. Tripping in the world could be dangerous. Everybody circling his vultures. Negative, nepotist. Everybody waiting for the fall of man. Everybody praying for the end of times. Everybody hoping they could be the one. I was born to run. I was born for this. Like All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to another episode of Heart of the Order, Episode 5, ALE's Preview with Dre Fry, Greg Malik, and myself, Greg McAfee. Boys, how are we doing tonight? Uh, Beautiful day in the neighborhood. We are fantasizing about baseball, and thankfully we are not going to be playing into the end of October anymore because the season is starting earlier this year. More happy faces all around for the fact that baseball is going to get here quicker than we remember. It Two is, and a half weeks out, boys. I'm hype. I'm hype. Can almost taste it. It is right around the corner. Um, last episode, we spoke. We talked about Bryce Harper signing with the, with the Phillies. We previewed the National League East. And now, this episode, we are moving on to the American League East, the home of your 2018 World Series champions, the Boston Red Sox. My boys, um, you know, I we can't did really... give you permission you to did. completely just go on a rant right now if you want to. So <laughs> you by did. all means, you did. The floor is yours. Um, there's nothing. Go ahead. There is nothing. I gotta clap. I gotta clap. I'm sorry. <laughs> there is nothing better than the 2018 season um, from a Red Sox fan perspective. I mean, so many good storylines. Um, he finally had David Price getting the trump card over all of Boston media. Winning in the postseason, winning big games. You had Chris Sale coming out of nowhere after recovering from an injury late in the season. Um, you had young guys like Rafael Devers and Christian Vasquez performing on the biggest stage. J.D. Martinez, Mookie Betts, Andrew, Andrew Benintendi coming up with big plays against the Astros. I mean, it was great to see. You got to out the the New York Yankees, the arch rival. Um, I mean, there's nothing. There was nothing better than the 2018 season from a Red Sox, Red Sox perspective. You know, I've been a Red Sox fan since 2003. I got to see them come from behind 3-0 down to the New York Yankees and win their first World Series in 86 years, breaking the curse. Um, and since then, they've kind of took over uh, the AL East. It seems like they go back and forth with the Yankees every other season, playing in one of the toughest divisions in baseball, in my opinion. Um, and they have this perfect team formed together. And I am so excited for this upcoming season because they barely lost anyone. Um, maybe their closer is probably their biggest hole right now after Kim, Craig Kimbrell still in free agency. But, guys, I'm excited for this season. But, you know, I'm always excited for every season when it comes to the Boston Red Sox. So let me get your opinion. Seeing that they were division winners last year, finished with a record of 108-54. and 54. Guys, what are your thoughts on this team? Well, for me right now, I got to say one of the things that I love about the the Boston Red Sox is that this entire team was built from the ground up. These are guys that they drafted or signed through uh, international free agency. They developed them on their own and they brought them up to be their own. Uh, Mookie Betts, Jackie Bradley Jr., Andrew Benatendi, uh, Xander Bogarts. Uh, Bogarts, I think they got in a trade, but uh, that's besides the point. Uh, I think this is a, a team that you can take a lot of pride in for the fact that this is a core that built up there. 
Uh, the couple things that I will say about this team right now, um, I think the top three of that rotation is absolutely disgusting. When you have Chris Sale and Rick Porcello, who are former Cy Young winners, and then you have David Price, who somehow found himself oh boy. in the postseason. Oh, boy! <laughs> wow, okay, that was unexpected. Uh, yeah, get yeah, he finally found himself in the postseason. Uh, he's living up to that contract, and uh, you can expect big things from him moving forward. Um, well, a couple of things that I do want to point out here is that I think Rafael Devers, um, I don't think he lit the, he did as well as some people thought he was going to do. He was definitely the top prospect from them last year, and uh, they brought him up to play third base. They didn't really need to rely on him to be the starting third baseman because you had Eduardo Nunez helping him out a couple of times, but... I think this is a big year for Devers. He's going to take that step forward to be a starting third baseman. I think he can do it. I think he has the hit tool to be able to do it, but we shall see how that works out. The other big thing, too, for me is that Dustin Pedroia, still at second base. Stole my thunder. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. He's getting, <laughs> he's, getting down, he, he's getting down to the end of his career. I'm sorry, man. I, it's something that we all were expected to happen, and... I'm intrigued to see how he does moving forward because he's getting up there in age. And I think Brock Holt is a very, very solid guy that could take over that position for him. Former Pirate prospect, by the way. Just going to throw that out there. But uh, uh, Yeah, I remember yeah. that deal. Yeah, so I think that I like this Red Sox team right now. If the only thing that I can say is that Pedroia, we need to see how well he does. And then Devers needs to take a step forward in his development to be a guy that we all expect him to be. This is a team that has a very strong shot at repeating in the division. Uh, yeah, and when you talk about the Red Sox side, you talk about their magical 2018 season. That was the first time, one of the first times in a long time that I can remember a team was not only that, the odds on favorite to win it all, uh, but they led essentially wire to wire from beginning of the year to the end of the year and led the entire AL East. I feel like the Yankees threatened but the Red Sox were never in danger because we saw how dominant they were every single every single game. They had Mookie Betts, the MVP of the American League, absolutely ball out. You know, he I don't want to say he challenges Mike Trout, but as as far as the second best player in the American League, I think without a doubt it's Mookie Betts. Um, when you talk about the season he had, uh, there was also another player on that team that kind of formulated the whole the whole uh, 2018 run. Uh, they got him in late February. We talk about free agency and things like that, you know, and how it's been delayed. Ultimately, they ended up with the best free agent in J.D. Martinez, and he put up Let's MVP go. type numbers. <laughs> Added, he he was the final piece. He was the final piece to put it all together. You know, they had they they acquired all the pieces, but they were just missing out one little thing since the departure of Poppy, and when he left, uh, adding J.D. Martinez uh, sort of sealed the deal for them. You know, and this is after this is after the Yankees made the splash of getting to Carlos Stanton. So, you know, they didn't feel threatened. They just waited patiently and, you know, they capitalized when the time was necessary. Uh, looking at the rest of this team, uh, the, it you, you see you see the thing. You see the guys that they have. Again, we talk about Mookie and J.D., but the other pieces that they also acquired, uh, you know, I, I think the smaller piece really helped get them over the top. Like the. Like for example, the signing of Nathan Abaldi, uh, and they they were able to bring they were able to Still bring him back this again. year. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but you know it's <laughs> what can I say? I mean, no, we're yeah. talking about the 2018 World Series champions. When you make moves like Nathan Abaldi, and he pitches the way he does, you know, and helps them, you know, he was big for them in the postseason. Oh, uh, I think without, without him, they don't win the World Series. Uh, I'm sorry, but he was he was that good, and they rewarded him with a nice contract, you know, to kind of help shore up the rotation with led by Chris Sale. Uh, you know, this is a fun team to watch, and like uh, Malik touched on uh, with you know how they built were built from within. Uh, kudos to Theo Epstein who built two World Series championships in the span of five years with the Cubs you know and the it. Red Sox. You know it. It's what he does, man. He's a baseball genius, but you know, built it from the ground up. And they acquired all the pieces, and now you know you get to see the story is now going to become like, how how do they respond? How do these young guys respond uh, based off the whole 2018 success, the success of winning it all? Uh, that's what I'm most excited for. I mean, it, it, I think they have a chance to repeat as World Series champions. I mean, if you look at their team, 
you have Chris Sale, David Price, Ricky Porcello leading the charge in the rotation. You add Nathan Eovaldi for a full season into that. It's going to get even better. Eric, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez is back from – battled a couple injuries last year. He's back at the at the back end, and he showed stuff. Love where, him. He, can, he showed stuff at times throughout his career where he can be um, maybe a, like a, a number three in a, a guy in rotation. So to have him at the back end is great. Um, and then you add Dustin Pedroia, who I think is finally going to be fully fully healthy. He hasn't been fully healthy in a lot in a couple seasons. His battle injuries on and off. Um, I think he's going to have one of those seasons where he could win comeback player of the year. To be honest with you, like I mean, like you said, Mal, he's kind of going towards the end towards the. End of his career, but I mean, leading, you could say twilight. It would be kind yeah, of nicer to go like, with a, that, like a twilight, yeah. like a twilight of his career. And he's come out in multiple articles and throughout the spring training where coming back from injuries over the past couple seasons, he's kind of rushed himself back because he he wanted to get back on the field, he wanted to play again. And this time, he's actually taken his time. He's gotten fully healthy. He's ready to go. So I think this is going to be the year. I think he's going to have a monster year. I mean, two years ago. 2016 he hit 318 in 154 games um he drove in 74 runs like he's one of those guys that can be a table setter he can lead the he can lead off <clears throat> and he can be a guy that really contributes i think andrew benatendi is another guy who's going to have a big season um he's you know playing that left field he, he's already showed off his glove in the past couple of years um i think he's going to be a big contributor this season and I think that I mean, like any team, there's there's one weakness on this team right now, and I think it's their relief, their bullpen. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> want to like bring that up because I kind of wanted to let you talk about like, how <laughs> this is going to be the rough spot for you guys this year. Oh yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a big rough spot, I think, especially if they don't bring bring back Kimbrel. Um, I mean, it it was the big question mark leading into the playoffs last season. Everyone was like, they don't have a bullpen; it's not going to work out. Um, it worked out through the first couple series, through the you know the first couple series and then Alex Cora pulls a you know rabbit out of his pocket and brings in Chris Sale and Nathan Nathan Eovaldi and Ricky Porcello and David Price out of the bullpen on their off days because they were going all in they were ready to win a world series and so they got they got to make a couple moves before the season starts I think too they got to bring in a relief pitcher they got to do something or they have to find someone who can fill in that closer role um but I think all around these they're strong I think they're gonna be um the team to beat to be honest with you guys. Uh, I'm, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say team to beat just because I know they have this glaring weakness of the bullpen, but I definitely say that they have a strong choice. They have a strong chance to repeat. Uh, we talk about how awesome Pedroia is that he's finally healthy and he's back. Uh, the beauty of Dustin Pedroia. And we talk about, uh, you talk about things like the injuries and you know, how he's finally healthy is that he is coming up, he's coming into a situation, coming back into a situation where he's not asked to hit 318 anymore. You're talking about a guy who now has a former MVP. Uh, uh, he has an MVP around him in Mookie Betts and has another guy who can win an MVP and uh, who was purely, who was fully capable of winning it last year. And JD Martinez, uh, you have him, you have those guys there, which allow them kind of anchor the lineup and then you add in guys like Ben Attendi, uh big steps from Devers and Xander Bogarts was quietly one of the better shortstops in the better offensive shortstops in the league last year he's not coming in to put up MVP numbers like he did in his age 24 season so I think that's the beauty of having a guy like him uh that's the beauty of having the you know guys around him so he can come in and you know produce uh I don't want to say again old levels but you know just come in and do what he has to do. Uh, I mean, he doesn't. Know, he doesn't have proud. to play every day either, which is the good thing. I mean, he has guys like Eduardo Nunez and Brock Holt backing him up, who can play second base. So that's the. I think that's the best thing about it is where he doesn't have to be for. He's not forced to play every day. Yeah, that's a that's a good point because Brock Holt. Brock Holt's a Swiss Army knife. I mean, he can. You said he plays second. Uh, he can play short if you want to possibly, you know, give Bogos a day off, and you know. Uh, you can throw Pedroia in there. Uh, and then, if, like you said, if Pedroia wants a DH, you want to throw Martinez, you know, give him a day off, you're able to do that. Uh, you know, it's deep. It's a deep team. It's a deep right. offensive team. It's a deep defensive team. Uh, again, the only glaring weakness I see from this team is their pen. So it's going to be interesting to see how that really shakes out, see if they bring back Craig Kimball because 
looking at this pen right now, they guys they need him. They do. That's, they really a, do. that's just put it lightly. <laughs> After Stephen Wright is, gets suspended for PEDs. <laughs> I was just about to say that. I literally took the words right out of my mouth. Which was wild because he's a knuckleballer, so like he doesn't throw the ball hard. I don't mm. understand why he's steroids, but you know, we never really know. He had to get that extra oomph on it, essentially. That's I mean, probably he, what I was trying to go for. I, he recovered coming back from an injury last season, so I think he's just so old now. He needs that uh, needs that recovery strength, I guess, or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, Should have smoked weeds. Slow down. <laughs> you know, you slow yeah. down your, no, your knuckleball. Oh, knuckleballers on weed. Now that's great. <laughs> that's, a, that's a topic to have right there. <laughs> but, uh, boys, I mean, I can talk about the Red Sox all day. Um, but that's not the point of this podcast. It's not a Red Sox podcast, even though at times it may seem like it because of my home, my homing cheer. Um, They're the champs, man. We gotta we gotta put them up on the pedestal. <laughs> yeah, we still can. yeah. But, thank uh, God we're not a Red Sox podcast because I feel like we would ostracize like the rest of America. If that's the case, so. I I do want to say one more thing though, because I know where you're going with this. We're gonna segue into the rest of the AL AL East. Uh, I just want to say one thing while we are still on this team. Uh, you know. Looking at the team, I'm so, so happy for former Pirate Steve Pierce, who was MVP of the World Series. Uh, you know, he's he's a guy that kind of was a late bloomer, uh, and he's not coming. He's not going to. He's not going to be the star of any team whatsoever. But when they needed him most, he was a star. So you know, that was very awesome. The one thing I hated about it because Pirate fans everywhere, you know, they were yelling about it like, I can't believe we let this guy go. You know, he's the World Series MVP, and I'm like, well. Guys, he's 36 years old. He's going. He's playing for a team that has two MVP caliber guys. He has no pressure to succeed whatsoever. But uh, when the lights were brightest, he really did succeed. So that was awesome yeah. to see. It was. Yeah, he took advantage of the opportunity that was in front of him, essentially, and credit to him. I loved it. I mean, I he came. He shined. Like you said, he shined under the brightest lights. He was a platoon player, platoon player who just uh, who came out big when they needed him most. Yeah, and that's at best. He's a platoon player. Oh yeah. Um, so we can get on to the those guys in uh, in the Bronx, the Bronx Bombers, the New York Yankees, uh, who challenged the Red Sox a little bit last year. Um, finished at 162, so got over that 100 win threshold. Finished eight games behind the Sox and lost to the Sox. Um, guys, I mean, they're gonna be they're gonna be there. They're probably the I would say top five team in the league. Um, they're good. I'm not going to deny that. They're, they have a great bullpen, great lineup from top to bottom. Uh, but I've been talking too long about the Red Sox already, so I'll let you guys handle this one. Well, <laughs> Matt, Mac, you're going to hate me for this, but this is the team I'm picking to win the division. Hey, that's all <laughs> right. Red Sox will I'm win sorry. the wild card and come back in the playoffs. That's all right. That's good. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, man. Like this, this Yankee <laughs> roster is just so balanced, and it, I, I really like it a lot. Uh, you touched on that bullpen. I mean – the, top, the four best arms in this bullpen are Aroldis Chapman, Dylan Batances, Zach Britton, and Adam Ottavino. That is a nasty bullpen that they have to work with right now. And yeah. if they get a and if they get a single run lead going in, nine times out of ten they're probably going to win the game. So that's really going likely. to help them. Yeah, that's going to help them a lot moving forward. I'm going to let Dre handle the majority of the lineup. But one thing that I do want to say about the uh, the hitters and the position players on this team. Two guys that really need to step up this year for the Yankees. Number one, Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez absolutely should be a much better hitter than he showed last year, and I think he really needs to have a bounce back year. I think if you put him in that five hole behind Giancarlo and Aaron Judge, he could do wonders for that team, and I think last year was a very sore spot in his career. The second guy that I'm going to talk about, and Dre, you're going to like this, Clint Frazier. Clint Frazier uh... is a guy... Glenn Frazier is a guy that had so much promise coming into this league, but he dealt with concussion issues a lot over the last few years. So, and if you ha- if you look at the way that their outfield depth is set up right now, the only guy that could potentially he could replace is probably Brett Gardner in left field or Aaron Hicks. Although unfortunately, Aaron Hicks got that really bizarre contract extension, which I'll never understand. But this <laughs> I actually have a comment big, on that. <laughs> But you're not alone, though. Yeah, but this is an important year for Clint Frazier because if he's fully healthy, he could really stake his claim into that that lineup right there. And I think he's going to be a good, very, very solid player for the Yankees moving forward if he can prove that he can be healthy and live up to the potential that we all think he is. 
Yeah. And uh, first things first regarding uh, to kind of finish up the point here with Clint Frazier. Uh, mm-hmm. him, being he- him being healthy uh, is nothing but good things for the Yankees because, uh, you know, if he's healthy, he might be able to wrestle that job from Aaron Hicks, who, again, a bizarre contract that I'll never <laughs> understand. <laughs> seven years, 10 million a year, seven years, $70 million total. I, I mean, if anything, it shows up that he's, a, you know, your fourth outfielder for the next seven years, so that's cool. But, uh, you know, if he's healthy, uh, they could possibly, you know, pair him to package him the, for, at the deadline, see what they can get out of him, you know. And he was in discussions with trade rumors. I know that he was a name being thrown around whenever the Yankees were tied to Garrett Cole last winter, uh, trying to acquire him. Uh, he's a name that was thrown out there. So, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. I'm just glad he's you know, finally, you know, taking the steps to get back on the baseball diamond. Um, the biggest thing I want to touch on, and you already sort of started to touch on this regarding uh, this Yankees lineup, is how incredibly deep it is. And it got so much deeper this year. Uh, yes, they need Gary Sanchez to not hit 186 again. That's just absolutely putrid for somebody who is so much better than that. And everybody knows it, including Gary. Uh, I expect El Gary to really step up this year and, you know, bounce back in a big way uh, where his batting average is close to where it should be, which is, I think, two, 260, 275 type hitter. Uh, the power numbers were a little down for him, but in the end, whenever you're hitting with guys like Giancarlo Stanton, who surprisingly also had a down year, sort of for the expectations that were coming in on him transitioning out of Marlins Park, into Yankee Stadium where balls absolutely fly uh, with a mammoth of a man. Uh, you know, I expect him to have a bigger year. Uh, him and Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge could be the MVP this year, guys. I hope I'm not alone in that. Uh, he's really good. And, you know, his third full season it's going to be awesome. Uh, big Andrew Jar fan. Uh, I wanted him whenever the Pirates were talking about Garrett Cole as a Pirate fan. But, again, that's very unfortunate. Uh, Mac. I'm not even mad when I say this. The Yankees are winning this division. <laughs> it's happening. I think they we're did. both in agreement on that, yeah. It, listen, when you talk about the Yankees last year, and I, it was it was a fun race, but again, the Red Sox just ran away with it in August. And the reason why they did is because they didn't have the starting pitching that the Red Sox had. They had a great bullpen, and they were they had a good they had a good plan. You know, that maybe we, if we can get three innings out of a guy, we can just throw our bullpen arms out there. And Malachi named one. You're talking about the, the four guys that he just named, Chapman, Batantis, Ativano, and Britton. Those guys could be closers on any team in Major League Baseball. Uh, to have those four arms at your disposal uh, with now a rotation of Luis Severino, who has signing potential. Tanaka, who came back from an injury last year, looks healthy. Uh, had no problems, and now he's fully healthy, and we know what he can do. To go out and acquire James Paxson and add him to this rotation, who was one of the more underrated lefties in this league, uh, now you slide him in that three-hole in the rotation. Uh, Sanjay Hap, CC is on his last leg, uh, as much as we talked about, you know, the farewell, t- not the farewell tour, but like the Twilight tour for Pedroia. Uh, this is definitely the farewell tour for CC. This is to me. This is his last ride. When you have a rotation like that with the arms that they have, I don't see how they lose. I just don't. So I, so they're one in the they're one in the division, guys. Okay. Hundred percent. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. This this. <laughs> it's kind of right you now. to I talk like about it. the Yankees. It's <laughs> you to talk about it, and I can feel it. Um, I mean, I know they're good guys. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I I know the Yankees are good. I say it year after year. Um, I'm one of those Red Sox fans who I when when something is when the Yankees are good, I'll admit it. I've always respected the Yankees. I mean, I do not like the Yankees, but I've always respected them. Derek Jeter is one of my favorite players of all time. Um. Mo is one of my favorite players of all time. I think I've I've told you that guys on a on a couple different occasions. Um but th- this this bullpen is solid. Like they they've had one of the best bullpens in the league I think for the past what like 3 or 4 years. Like ever since Andrew Miller enrolled as Chapman were there and they blew it up kind of and then Chapman came back um with that big deal. But I'm just 
I need to see this starting rotation prove it in New York before I can actually believe in it. I guess if you if you know if you guys know what I'm saying, like Severino. No, that's I, I do, I do. I think Severino has proved it over the past couple of years. He's he's shown his stuff. He's he's definitely an ace of this staff. But I feel like Paxton's got to prove it. He's got to prove it in New York for me. Tanaka, I think, is shaky at best. I like he's he's shown his stuff over the the first couple of years he's been here but he's been i think he's been shaky and cc in his last year who knows if he'll have his stuff who knows if hop will have his stuff in a big market like new york um gary sanchez who knows if he's gonna hit like he needs to hit um and i mean the rest of the lineup is solid aaron hicks aaron judge uh giancarlo stan blaybar torres uh anduhar like i like i can't deny it their lineup is scary um every time the red sox faced him last year it was scary um, but I mean, you're not going to get me to admit that the Yankees are going to win the division. So let's, let's <laughs> leave <it at> that. <laughs> that's, all right. that's all right. That's all right, man. Yeah. I, of course we're going to give you a pass because you're a Red Sox fan. I, you can't, as a Red Sox fan, it's against code to pick the Yankees over the Red Sox. I understand that. We all understand that. But like, I, but I really think that they, they have the, um, the tools and the players to make a trade at some point this season to bring in more pitching depth if they need it, especially in the starting rotation. If like say Tanaka or say Sabathia, like they don't like pan out, say hop, like has a horrible start to the season or something like that. Like, I mean, you look at guys like Greg bird, Tyler Wade. Um, you still have DD Gregorius and Troy Tulowitzki. You still have Jacoby Ellsbury who probably no one will probably take his contract. Um, but like I feel like they have the tools to trade assets to trade still to to make a run. Um, but I think it's going to be a very tight race atop the AL East division. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, very I'm fun. glad you mentioned. I'm glad you mentioned Glaber Torres because you know he was a guy who I was very excited to see, and he was once one of the top. He's he was once a top prospect in baseball. Never never really got his opportunity until last year, and you know they were using him sparingly. Uh, now he's a full-time starter at second base. Uh, so I, he's a player I'm 100% excited for. Uh, a player that I got to say that I'm cautious about, and it's not first offense, it's first defense, is Andrew Jar. Uh, he was, they were looking to bring in, this is one of the teams that were looking to bring in Machado because they knew what he brought defensively. And he's a very solid third baseman. But they knew that they needed an upgrade over Andrew Jar. So, it's something to really see because of the signings of LeMahieu and Tulowitzki. And Tulowitzki's not going to be the full-time shortstop because Gregorius will be back after Tommy John. It'll be interesting to see if Andrew Jar, though, will end up being the full-time third baseman and they put one of those two guys, LeMahieu and Tolo, over at third. Well, the interesting, interesting thing with that, well, the interesting thing with that is if you take Andrew Jar essentially out of the lineup and put him as your where would you do with them? You can't put them as your DH because essentially you would have to put Stanton or Judge there if you think about it. So, Maybe slide them at first. I mean, that's that's really the kind of thing I was angling at there. I mean, uh, perha- perhaps, but I feel like they really want to try to give either Voight or Bird the option to be the starting first baseman there. That's just kind of like yeah. a good a good option there for me. But I see what you're saying. It's kind of going to be like one of those situations where Anjuar essentially needs to step up this year or else he's probably – he could – I don't want to say he'll get shopped necessarily, but his his whole, like, uh, situation in New York might not be what's best for him. Yes. That's actually the perfect way to put it. Mm-hmm. Uh, him being so young and him being so well-rounded offensively, uh, if he can't figure it out defensively, uh, maybe New York won't be the place for him and they, you know – ship him out to bring in what they need in order to, you know, compete with the Red Sox because just like last year, it's a two-horse race. And I got to say, looking at these teams in the 2018, uh, I believe Max said it earlier. Uh, of course, he praised it earlier. Eight games. <laughs> eight games. Eight games. Uh, they won the division by eight games, the Red Sox did. Uh, I just want to spew out these numbers because uh, <laughs> this race was so fun to follow until – the Red Sox pulled away, but the run differential in both these teams. You had the Red Sox coming in Dude. 229 run differential and the, the Yankees at 182. Between, it was crazy. The offense between these two teams was absolutely ridiculous last year. 
Um, like I like towards the end of the season, I was looking at the numbers because I was having like a pretty heated debate with one of my friends from back home who is a Yankees mm-hmm. fan, and I was just like looking at the overall team like statistics, and they were both one two in pretty much every like big offensive category, and I was just like I didn't realize it until the end of the season. Like I knew the I knew the Red Sox were up there, I knew the Yankees were up there, but they were literally like one two in every single category runs. Uh, home runs, Yankees obviously had them by a little bit. Red Sox were down, but like RBIs up there, like it was RBIs eight twenty nine, eight twenty one. Like numbers were absolutely ridiculous towards the end of the season last year, and it was these two. The offensive on these two teams is, just, oh my god, I can't even like. Yeah, I, don't even, if, I don't even know what to fun. say. <laughs> but if you want, but if you want to like be a devil's advocate here, there's a reason why those offensive numbers were so ridiculous on both those teams. The rest and we're of gonna the... talk, and we're gonna talk about that <laughs> in the rest of this episode. So yes, we are. Yeah, bear in mind about that. I mean the the AL East at one point, what in the last like I think it was the last five years, took a significant drop off. But like at one point, wasn't every team in the AL East over 500 at one point in like two or three seasons or something like that. Like when the Orioles were good, when the Blue Jays were really good, when the Rays had that like stretch under Joe Madden, like weren't like, weren't like all the teams other than maybe one, maybe it was four or five. I can't remember to be this honest. This was when the Red Sox and the Yankees were like 500 or below 500. Man. Yeah. <laughs> You're talking about the Orioles and the Blue Jays. This is one, but this is back when Batista hit that home run in Rogers Center and just threw his bat. Yeah, I remember eight, that part. Eight rows up, which was awesome all right. Never mind. Still. Never mind. We don't have to talk about that anymore. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. That's no, I stuff. like I completely forgot about those years, like under like the one year under Bobby Valentine, um, before Farrell became the coach, and like yeah, the didn't Red... they have a hundred loss season or something? The or... Red Sox. Hold on. So. Hold on, I'm gonna look this up. Not right 100, now. but I mean, it was like could have been 90 was, something. They, they that was were, a rough year. There was one year where they were really. I don't think they were. Um, I don't think they were 100 or that many wins bad. But yeah, hold on, I'm pulling. Yeah, it, it was definitely in the 90s at least. Like that's that's pretty obvious. It was bad when Bobby when Bobby Valentine was the coach. It was really bad. Oh um, yeah, I just pulled it up. Yeah, 2014, <laughs> 71 and 91. Shit. And 15 was 78, 84. <laughs> Shit. All right, my bad, my bad. All right. I mean, that was that was after that was so the 2013 World Series. Yeah, I know it was. It seems like, like it seems like a long time ago. Oh, Bobby Valentine was the 69 and 93 season, and then they had. Oh shit. <laughs> I love it. We're making him. Re- we're making him reevaluate the entire Red Sox like no, last no, decade right now. No, like, not at all. Three World Series, three World Series since two thousand or four World Series. Yeah, yeah. Four, uh-huh, four World Four World Series since two thousand. I'm okay with that. And that is how you <laughs> manipulate history, folks. That is how you do it. <laughs> all right. Uh, oh, this season is gonna be so much fun to watch in the AL East. I can't wait. Um, but those are just the top two teams, guys, that we've we've talked about. Uh, we can get on to the Tampa Bay Rays, um, formerly the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. You know how much like better they've gotten since they went from the Tampa Bay Devil Rays to the Tampa Bay Rays, like, which is also funny because I'm pretty sure they're bringing back the Devil Ray Unis this really? year as like a, as like a uh, as like an alternate or those, something. Those like Unis are oh, dope though. Awesome. Like they should be featured on the Watt or they should be featured on the Vault. Um, I'm gonna have to text Smalls and tell them. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> but uh, so they finished ninety and seventy two last year, eighteen games out of first place in the division. Blake Snell won the Cy Young Award. Um, guys, what do you think of their chances this year? Uh, before, I, I want, before, ahead, Malik, before Malik goes, I'm just gonna say, did you say eighteen games? Eighteen games. <laughs> they won. They won ninety. Can I? Right, right. Um, before we go, before we go on, can I? Can I just read off the rest of it? Um, oh, the stand- yeah. Okay, so the Blue Jays finished seventy three and eighty nine, and they were thirty five games out of first place. Oh my the god! Ori- <laughs> the Orioles went forty seven and one fifteen and finished sixty one games out of first place. Well, I, I mean, want. Okay, I wanted. So to- they- yeah, they were bad last year, but I wanted to, the like the spread between first place and last place in the AL East is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, that's never been seen. Even I don't think the Pirates even back in their. Two decades of obscurity. I don't think it's ever been 61 games. No, they never came anywhere close to a record like that. 
I don't I don't know for me though, I don't know what's crazier. The fact that a team won ninety games and was still eighteen games out of first, or the fact that a team was so bad that they were sixty one games out of first place. I don't know. I feel like now with like the whole tanking scenario, I'm not surprised that the Orioles were bad. But what I, I, the 90-win team and only being 18 games back is amazing because the Rays would have won four divisions last year. Yeah, that's a team that missed the playoffs, by the way, which shows you how top-heavy that the mm-hmm. rest of the American League really was. Now, I just want to look at this team as of what we're looking at this year, though. I, I just want to be very clear on this. I'm not expecting the Rays to win 90 games this year. I, it's not even close. Uh, this is a This is an interesting team that is being put out there. And for some reason, the Rays are always that type of team that is an interesting team that comes up. Uh, the They obviously introduced the opener concept last year, which is going to take baseball by storm this year. I mean, whether you like it or not, that's just how it is. But if you look at this lineup, it's really interesting. Uh, I, I kind of like the Mike Zanino pickup because I, he was a very underrated catcher in Seattle for the longest time. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to add. Wasn't he like presence the, there. Wasn't he like one of the top catching prospects like in the entirety of the league when he came out of college? He was number three overall pick. Yeah. Uh, I remember. Yeah. So that yeah. was. He still has some potential there. Um, Willie Adamez at shortstop. I'm a I'm a big fan of him. I think he could have a very good year this year. Also, arguably the best defensive center fielder in baseball, Kevin Kumer, yep. is actually back and healthy. So I'm expecting big things from him this year. But, guys, the mystery one uh, for the Rays this year is going to be G-Man Choi. This is the guy that essentially is going to be taking over Jake Bowers' spot because I was a big fan of Bowers when he was coming up, and I thought he was going to have a big role this year. But for some reason, they're going to bake on G-Man Choi to be the run producer for this team. I'm not really sure he's going to be up to the potential. And I honestly, I, even with Blake Snell on this team, who had a great year last year on the Young role, I'm not expecting big things from this team. I'm really not. I like Ground Chuck. I like the addition there because he's going to add some, you know, some stability in that rotation. But other than that, it's not looking good for the Rays this year, man. Uh, for me, I got to say uh, – so I want to go back to a podcast whenever we were discussing, I believe it was the NLE, so it might have been the last pod, actually. We discussed the teams that, you know, were very exciting when we talked about the NLE, and I said that there was going to be a team down the line who we're going to talk about that is going to be the team to watch in baseball, the most exciting team. And for me, guys, I'm sorry, but this is it. The Tampa wow. Bay Rays. Okay. I love the Tampa Bay Rays this year. I love them so much, in fact, that – I am going on the record right now saying that they are going to be the second wild card out of everybody in major out of the American League. Wow! Really? Yeah. Yes, I think this is the, I think this is going to be a good team to watch. Explain. I think they got. Yeah, well, please do <laughs> explain. Dre rant. Dre rant of the Dre week. Rant. Go, go. <laughs> they are they are smarter than everybody else. Uh, they they let's go. First off, let's go to Tommy Pham, who they got pennies on the dollar, and then he comes in there and he shines. And now they're getting him 100% healthy. And this is a guy, when healthy, can put up 30 homers and drive in 80 to 100 runs. And he can also bat over 300, which is good. And they're sliding him in left. He originally played center. And the reason why he plays center is because Malik touched on it. Kiermaier's back, and Kiermaier is the best defensive center fielder and. Major League Baseball. Uh, you can argue about uh, the guy from Toronto who we'll go over and talk about, but I like Kiermaier that much better. I think he's awesome. And the fact that he's back in center field, manning it down out there in the trop is going to be trop. incredible to watch. They have – and then we slide over to right field, which is a guy who can also play center field. Guys, they have, they have the they have the, they have the Pirate Stream outfield in terms of – the excitement, the hype, and they, like, from back in 15, six, back in 14, 15, whenever you were Polanco, McCutcheon, and Marte, if you were very excited about it, if you're a Pirates fan, if you're a baseball fan, you were talking about guys like Yelich and uh, Yelich, Stanton, and Ozuna. Uh, I think Meadows has the potential to be an, an absolute all-star, and he's going to play right field for them. Uh, it's going to take a lot of what ifs, but I think the outfield, I think when you look at this team in terms of making this playoff push, I think it starts in the outfield. 
and then you go to there. If you want to move into the infield, uh, I'd like to pick up a Matt Duffy. Awesome. They did some weird things. Uh, they got Diaz as well, and I think they should have probably got in on Carlos Santana or Edwin Encarnacion to really add the confirm power bat because, you know, he was for sale. Uh, but, you know, they want a different route. And now, you know, they add this guy, Choi, who no one knows about. Zanino's a very good defensive catcher. And he's playing with this rotation right now, who only lists three starters, according to MajorLeagueBaseball.com. But one of them is Cy Young winner in Blake Snow. The other one has electric stuff in Charlie Morton, who can still, can still pitch with Bessem. I know he's asked him to do a lot this year, but, you know, they got guys that are ready to come up and start. Uh, Tyler Glass now is another one who's very intriguing. Is it like the the Pirates version 2.0 in, in Tampa Bay? Yeah, Valley? essentially it is. <laughs> it, the, uh, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, you name this three guys, and yeah, it is. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, the, thing about, the thing about Tyler Glass now is he has ace stuff. He has ace potential, and no one's denying that. The problem with him was he didn't figure out how to use his length. And when he got down there, uh, one of the first things he did was seek out their pitching coach. And their pitching coach has uh, a history of working with tall, lanky guys and, who – couldn't fill out his body because he himself was a tall, lanky guy. So they're kind of, you know, they worked on his mechanics. They added another hitch to his to his uh, windup, which is kind of slowing him down so he's able to get, control his stuff better. And those are the three guys. But, guys, this is a team that's absolutely stacked in the minors, got guys ready to go. Brent Honeywell is a guy that we talked about during the pre-show. He's back. He's healthy. Uh, he's a guy that no, no one has any – no one has seen his stuff, uh, unless you're in the minor leagues. But he got ace potential stuff, so he's ready. And then one of the one of the most intriguing prospects in recent memory, hailing from Western Pennsylvania, PA, Brennan McKay. He's ready to go. He's ready to take over first base, and he's also ready to come out of the bullpen for them if they need him, or start if they need him to, because he is a lefty who throws gas, 92, 95, and he can bomb. 20 to 30 dingers for him. They got... Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, they got that kind of stuff, guys. I'm serious. Wait, 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 wait. You're saying he can... I don't... He's not Otani, but I'm saying he got... He's a guy that no one's really talking about who they should be talking about. I think Brendan McKay is kind of their perfect idea of the opener. You know? Like, kind of like the guy that you'll start... You'll start off your game strong... And then immediately move him over to first base and then bring a guy in from the bullpen. That's actually a fair point. And, uh-huh. you know, we're talking about the team that is revolutionized. This is the grand. You can, we're going to call him the grandfather of the opener because they're the ones who introduced us to it last year. And everyone's like, oh, this is crazy. This is a crazy idea. But they load up a bullpen arms uh, to – get the to to get the opener off the ground and we're gonna see it fully implemented this year and it's gonna be the Rays who do it. And once they implement it, the rest of Major League Baseball and they once they see the success this is gonna have, and if you can't tell, I'm a believer in the opener. Once they see the success no. they're, I gonna have, hell, yeah. no. they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna copy Really? Really? Yeah. It's the Rays, man. They're they're the revol- they revolutionize the game. And you're gonna see it this year with the opener. I believe that the Rays are gonna be a wild card team. And I think it's just because they're simply smarter than everybody else. All right. Well, we're going to put you on the record, Dre. I mean, you're already on the record. You already said you were going on the record. I'm on it. <laughs> he is officially wearing, on the record. He's going to I'm wearing the hot takes hat this week. I'm wearing the hot <laughs> takes. All right. Um, I, think I was it, not expecting that. Neither so. neither did yeah. I. I'm like kind of still in awe and like trying to process the whole thought of – the Rays making the playoffs with this roster that I'm looking at. I mean, well, they should have last year, but they missed it. And I know there's some changes, but but I mean, so so essentially, you're saying that um, there's going to be three playoff teams from the AL East. So you're like you're discounting the like you're discounting the I'm discounting Angels, else. Angels, Angels, Athletics, Mariners. Uh, I'm discounting the I'm discounting the athletics because Chaminet is hurt. I'm pretty sure he might be out for a long time, and that'll be a lot of ground to make up. And he's their ace. Uh, they also lost a big bat in Jed Lowry, who did a lot of things for that offense last year. 
But they got uh, Olsen and Chapman, man. They do have Olsen and Chapman. And, again, they also have their own genius in Billy Bean. But, you know, it's outside of those outside of those two. And then I guess Chris Davis, who you can count to hit 40 homers, but also hit 250 because uh, that's just what he does. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> For people who don't know the running joke, this is actually a real thing. <laughs> it is a real thing. He hits 40 homers. He's one for four every game, and the one game, the one hit he has is a home run. It's wild. Um, but you have them that, that who I expect to take a step back. And then we talked about the Angels, who would take a step up. But not only do they not have the starting pitching, they just lost their prize prospect, who was supposed to step into uh, the outfield for them and help be an anchor uh, to help Mike Trout uh, with the offense and Joe Adele. He got hurt on a weird injury. Uh, where he sprained his ankle, he sprained his right ankle and then pulled his left hamstring, which I don't know how that happens, but it did. And he's out ten to twelve. He's out the first couple months of the season. And I expect him to, you know, do some big things because he has a kind of potential. And now they they lost him. And I understand this happens in baseball with injuries, but you know you need to, you need your health if you're going to win games and you need guys to step up. And I don't know who can else for that team outside of Trout. Trout can only do so much. Uh, and then when we talk, we'll talk about the AL Central, but it's basically the Indians and, and then everyone else fighting for 500 to get to second place. Uh, but you, so you can say, just looking at it, you can call it process of elimination, but I think this team got some real potential because of the players and pieces that they have, as opposed to players and pieces people don't have the other contenders, the potential contenders. Do you think they win? Do you think they earn that wild card spot without 90 wins? It's a tough call. That's actually a tough call. But I, I say I say they have to win 90 games in order to – they have to win at least 90 games in order to get that wild card spot because uh, if you look at last year, 90 games wasn't enough. Uh, it, so Is the AL a three-team race this year? I think it's – I think – or like, would you think, throw the Indians in there? I'll I'll throw the Indians in there because of the rotation that they have, and the stud that they got two they got two studs, and uh, Jose Ramirez who gets a little overshadowed because of the other superstar Francisco Lindor. But I think I think really we're looking at four teams to come out of the American League to beat to win the pennant, and then for me, I think the fifth team. You could throw, you can make an argument for some teams, but for me, it's the race. Mal, you've been quiet over there. What are you thinking? I'm processing it. Um, for me, <laughs> I already, I already said in the AL West episode that I thought that the Angels were going to be a surprise second wild card team this year. So that's what I'm sticking with. All right. Well, uh, Dre just kind of blow blew both of our minds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we can move on. <laughs> I'm still trying to like process the thought yeah, of the race. <laughs> um, we uh, move- I like them. I'm sorry. <laughs> Dude. Okay, man. You're allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> we can move on to the Toronto Blue Jays. They finished 73 and 89 last year, 35 games out of first place. Um, guys, give me your thoughts, um, your predictions. How do you think this team does? Well, I'm going to bring this up. Uh, the outfield is definitely something that you cannot sleep on. Uh, Kevin Pillar is the other arguably great defensive center fielder in baseball. I One still think Myers, I think Myers a little bit better, but that's just because we didn't see him a lot last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a toss-up. For a lot of people, I'll get that, but I'll still lean towards Kiermaier. I still think Billy McKinney has a lot of, a lot of hidden potential that he just cannot realize. Uh, I think he'll have a much better year this year going forward. Justin Smoke came out of nowhere a couple of years ago and actually shown the potential that made him such a high draft pick. And I think he's going to be another key contributor for that team. They picked up Freddie Galvez in the offseason, too, who's one of the better defensive shortstops in all of baseball. Mm-hmm. So that's going to really help them going into this year because, honestly, guys, Bo Pichette's not ready. Uh, I'm going to be honest about that. Unfortunately. Yeah, he's not ready. Uh, he's still. I think he needs a full year in AAA before he's ready to come up. But obviously, the guy that every single one of us everywhere in America who's a baseball fan, who is living and breathing, is excited for <laughs> April to pass because we can finally, finally see the prodigy that is Vladdy Guerrero Jr. 
for people who don't understand how great this this player i mean to me this guy's gonna be amazing the guy's yes. 19 the guy's 19 years old and his dad if you remember correctly was one of the coolest power hitters i remember seeing in my life he might be better than his dad i would argue he has better plate patience plate patience than his dad Probably le- he's probably saying, learned a lot on that. Um, he's probably like watching his dad like videos and he's like, "All right, I'm not gonna do that. Like, can't." He learned. <laughs> he, learned he basically. I hope not. He learned. I love, I love oh Vlad. I'm sorry. I love Vlad, but I, lo- I love Vlad. videos. He's swinging balls that were eight feet out of the zone. Didn't he no, have a guys, couple? He didn't he have a couple hits guys, off Vlad, the bounds? Guys, Vlad, Vladdy Jr. learned from his dad what not to do, and That's I can respect that. But, but the other thing that. But what can else, but what else is so great about this guy? He plays a premier position at third base, and he's a really good defender too. So that's something that we can knock for this game. But looking at the rest of the Blue Jays, I am a big fan of Marcus Stroman. Uh, I'm also unfortunately kind of expecting this to be the year that he finally gets dealt. Unfortunately, uh, yeah, I, I think he's an yeah he's an ace of that rotation, but this rotation is still um, a mess. Uh, Marco Estrada has kind of fallen off a cliff compared to, or sorry, not Marco, uh, Aaron Sanchez has fallen off a cliff compared to what he could have been. And the bullpen is okay. I think this is going to be a bounce back year for Ken Giles to kind of reclaim any value that he had previously. But honestly, this season's going to be about the arrival of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And basically just kind of wow everyone and anything into how great of a guy, of a baseball player he is going to be. So like the the last guy that I can think of that kind of went through this like service time kind of deal that was on like the big stage was Chris Bryant in Chicago yep. with the Cubs. Um, do you think he has as big of a as big of an impact on a team that Chris Bryant did with the Cubs? Yes, it's not even close. When when Vladimir Guerrero Jr. comes into this lineup, he's going to be the best player in Toronto. And it's not even close. Yeah, and he'll be that way for a long, long time. Like, like rookie, uh, rookie of the year type numbers, like even after missing the first month. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the the hype is real uh, when you talk about Vlad Jr. Uh, I know Malik put him on a pedestal, but he deserves to be there and then some. Uh, Nineteen mm-hmm. years old. He's he's an absolute stud. He's the, the only the he's only guy the that could everyone be, talks about. The only guy that could potentially come close to competing with him for AL Rookie of the Year is uh, Eloy Jimenez in Chicago, but we'll get to that on a future episode. Yeah, uh, he's also going to be awesome. But for me, uh, it's going to be Vlad Jr. It's 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 essentially Vlad Jr.'s award to lose Rookie of the Year. Uh, I can't wait to watch him come in and just launch balls because Toronto is another place where balls just absolutely fly, uh, and he's built perfectly for it. Uh, we talk about I don't. When spring training first started, he was the person that everybody talked about. and wasn't in, in Toronto, regarding the Toronto Blue Jays. He was the person that everybody talked about, and rightfully so. And I just saw him walk out and trot. I'm telling you, he's listed at 6'1", 200, but he's got to be at least 6'3", 250. Like, he's a house. He's an absolute he is house. A big boy. He's a big boy. Yeah. For he's a man-child. Yeah. It's the perfect way to put it. But uh, we talk about him. We talk about Bichette. Uh, for me... Those are the only two guys we're talking about outside of Marcus Stroman getting traded. I'm with you there. Uh, I think that I think that they're going to have in order to capitalize, in order to capitalize on a talent like like Vlad Jr. And then you pair him with another good talent who's overshadowed, but is really good in his own right. And Bob Shet, his dad, also a former Major League Baseball player, uh, Dante Bichette's son. Uh, for those who don't know, played in Colorado. Uh, early, early, late nineties. You know, it's a good player, but for them to truly capitalize on what they have in Vlad Jr. and Bobuchet, they're going to have to deal Strom, and they're going to have to. They might even have to explore Sanchez trade uh, Pilar. They might have to tear this whole thing down. Smoke is another guy who could potentially be traded as well, uh, because they need to. They need to put the right pieces around Vlad Jr. and you know have them. It's like we'll call it a accelerated rebuild uh kind of like what the uh what the white Sox did so you think it's a fire sale in toronto by like mid-season i think it's a fire sale by mid-season but i think that's that's the only move that they're gonna have to make in order to put a, a competitive team around 
Vlad Jr. and let him carry them back up to the playoffs where they were back in, you know, 2014, 15 years, whenever they were awesome. Okay. All right. Malik, you got anything to add? Or are you good? Uh, only person that you cannot sleep on, too, when we brought up Pachette and Vladimir Guerrero. Don't forget about Craig Biggio's son, Kevin Biggio. Another solid young prospect that's waiting in the wings for them right now, too. That's also going to make an impact and probably be their starting second baseman. So they so they have three they have three prodigies or they have three legacies and Craig Biggio's son, Dante Bichette's son, and Vlad Guerrero's son. Yeah, all playing in their infield. That that's insane to me and awesome. The to Toronto, say the, least. the Toronto legacies. I mean, they might they might change their name by the end of the season. Who knows? That'd be great. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> the Toronto legacies. Um, so that's it for the Blue Jays. We can move on to the the bottom dwellers, the cellar dwellers, um, and the Baltimore Orioles basically kind of, you know, traded their franchise piece in Manny Machado last season. They ended up finishing 47 and 115, 115 losses, guys. Um, How that even is possible blows my mind. I mean, I was going to ask you if you can think of any team that could reach that mark this season. This season? Oh, uh, I can't think of any other than, yeah, the or- other than the Orioles again. No, like yeah, there's there's no other team that I can imagine being that bad this year. Like I remember in our last in our AL West episode, like we talked. I mean, maybe the Marlins. Yeah, we probably are yeah, the Marlins. That's, that's a good yeah, point. Cause, yeah, because the Marlins. I mean, outside of like, outside of like Lewis Brinson and Jose Urania and stuff like that, like there's not really any premier talent on that team. And I'm looking at this Orioles uh, team right now. This is a complete rebuild. And it's not even close. Disaster. Um, it is a it disaster. Is disaster. <laughs> yeah. Well, first off, first off, the big thing for them is they got to figure out how the hell to get rid of that Chris Davis contract, which is going to be next to impossible to do. Um, it's it's an albatross, and that's like the, even the nicest way to put it. It is one of the worst contracts in all of baseball. And then after that, I mean, looking at this team, I'm I'm trying to find some something that even remotely is impressive. I mean, I will say. Cedric Mullins surprised a lot of people last year when he came up from, I believe, double-A and actually put up some really good numbers from them. Uh, Trey Mancini is a guy that I've seen play, and he has so much potential, but for some reason has just never been able to put it together. And then I completely forgot that they have Jonathan VR on that team, who's another underrated infielder. But after that, I mean, you're picking at straws right now. The rotation, the top two of Dylan Bundy and Alex Cobb, a couple of years ago, you would have thought that would have been a great one-two to put up there, but Dylan Bundy has underachieved so much in, in Baltimore, and it's sad to see, too, because he was a top, top gun when he was coming up through the minors, topping like 98 right out of Texas. So, I mean, it, this is a really rough team this year, and honestly, there's nowhere to go but up. Uh, I don't think they're going to be as horrible as they were last year, if that's a, the best way I can put it, but yeah, this this is not looking pretty. Uh, yeah, I actually think that this team has a chance to lose like 120 games. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I think this team absolutely stinks <laughs> and I'm trying to be nice about it, but the only real piece that they didn't, they have to rebuild, but the only real piece that they have that's exciting is Dylan Bundy, but that's only because we know the stuff he has and you want to see you want to see a guy like that try and put it together because at one point he was a top prospect for them. They expect him to come up and help vault their team whenever they were contenders in the AL East back in the Machado days when Davis was there, just raking. But it's just disappointing. It's this is a this is a franchise that this is a franchise that I grew to appreciate because uh, they had a player like Manny Machado. I was a big Adam Jones fan. I thought they made the right moves to. I thought they made the right moves in the draft and then via trade whenever back when they traded Eric Bedard to uh, Seattle way back when and acquired Adam Jones. Oh, it was a great deal. It was a a wonderful deal. I thought they built a perfect team. And then as soon as they gave Chris Davis that contract because he had 50 homers, that's when it all went south. Never had a chance to even retain Machado. It was just a matter of when, and they completely missed on their window because they didn't know it was important. And now you're looking at a franchise who is set back, I think, for the next 
five to ten years because they just don't they don't have any they don't have anything in the cupboard in order to acquire the pieces that they need to build from within. Well, um, yeah, they all. I also realized it went south when I found out they never invested in international market either, which is insane. That, it is insane, and you know a lot of and if you look at Major League Baseball and the way it's structured, uh, international market is a big bulk of successful teams. For them not to invest in that is it's it's a travesty to all. It's a travesty to the city of Baltimore and a complete disservice to Baltimore Oriole fans. Like it, it, it's a it's a basic like just ineptitude to do your job. Yes, yes, and it's it's sad, especially with the players that they had and the window that they had that they couldn't go out. Like the first real player that they were invested in that they were running for. Regarding the international market, he chose to go to Florida and Victor Victor Mesa. And they were, you know, they could still get his brother, but I doubt it, to be honest, because they're just getting, they're just investing into that market. And it's a big bulk of Major League Baseball. Uh, But looking at this team, again, chance to lose 120 games. They got some pieces to sell off, but I don't really know exactly what they can get in return. Their best bet is to hope that Dylan Buddy just puts it together and then that'll help accelerate the rebuild. But again, you're looking at, you're looking at top picks for the next three to five years, at least picking in the top three. And then from there, who knows what happens. Dylan Bundy will get traded before Marcus Stroman, but Marcus Stroman will get the better package. Yeah. Because he's He's better and he's a, he's a proven, he's a proven commodity. Absolutely. Um, just a off note, um, Odell Beckham Jr. was just traded to the Cleveland Browns. I'm just kind of. Oh, man. Oh, man. (laughs) What? Breaking news on Heart of the Order Baseball Podcast. Odell Beckham Jr. was just traded to the Cleveland Browns. Tune in to Two Beers Deep on Thursday for (laughs) trade breakdown. (laughs) Um, But actually, that is all we have time for tonight, guys. Um, So thanks for tuning in to another episode of Heart of the Order. Um, Stay tuned for more episodes coming. We still have the AL Central and NL Central to preview, but that is all we have time for tonight, guys. Thanks again um, for a great preview. You guys want to say bye? (laughs) Take care, guys. Thanks for tuning in.